0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. This is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And today is Thursday, February 1st, 2018. And today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, There is a Solution, we are on page 23, and we will be reading the very first paragraph. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Kathy R., 12 Traditions, Esther F. And our text readers are Harlan G., Rita K., Liz V. Our newcomer greeter today is Jeanette S., and the host for the second hour is Rebecca B. And the reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, January 31st, 2018, 7 a.m. meeting is 10,986, 10,986, and the share ID for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting yesterday is 10,987, 10,987. OA Preamble. has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision For You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Kathy R. to read the 12 steps of OA for us, please.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Kathy R. in Florida. These are the 12 steps of our wonderful programs. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, <clears throat> admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service.
0: Thank you, Kathy R. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 Traditions for us, please.
2: Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 Traditions. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 23. We shall be reading the first paragraph that begins, These Observations Would Be Academic. And I will now ask Harlan G. if you'll read that for us,
3: please.
4: I'd love to, Monica. Thank you for your service and thank you to the rest of Team Thursday for making this wonderful meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Page 23. These observations would be epidemic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a 100 alibis. Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of a man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, He will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. My compulsive overeating career started in infancy. And as I've said before many times here and in in meetings and in retreats and conventions, I have vivid memories of being three years old, four years old, and people screaming and yelling at my mother and father about how fat I was getting and about how much food I was eating. And from the time I can remember, I have looked for a reason why I was doing this. And the only reason that I could come up with was I was hungry and I liked cookies or I liked Kit Kat bars or I liked ice cream, whatever it is. And that has nothing to do with anything. And I have been sick to my stomach on thousands of occasions from compulsive overeating. And I have been sick to my stomach to the point of being incapacitated. And when I have a little bit of of recovery from that situation, I will look in the refrigerator for something to eat to make me feel better from eating too much food. That is insanity. And I didn't know how to explain this to anybody until I understood it. And I still can't explain it to people who don't have this illness. It says here, therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. What does that mean to me? The problem emanates from my mind. Is food the problem? No, it's not. Food becomes, for people like me, the solution to the problem. The problem is the buildup of everyday normal human emotion. All people have anger and regret, jealousy, happiness and remorse. All people have it. But normal eaters can assuage those emotions, they can reduce the level of, the, of those emotions by walking the dog, going to the gym, uh, making love, drinking a glass of wine. They can do things <clears throat> excuse me, that will lower the level of these emotions. But in me, these emotions will pinball around in my head and cause tremendous pain in my soul. And the pain of not eating is too much for me to bear. And the mind will drive me irresistibly into the food. The mental twist will tell me to eat the food and the mental blank spot will cause amnesia. I will not be able to see the havoc that that food has caused me. I can only focus in on getting that effect that Dr. Silkworth talks about from the food, and that effect is what I'm chasing. What is the effect? It is that sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating that Oreo cookie. And I eat the Oreo cookie, and for about nine seconds, wives don't divorce you. Girlfriends don't dump you. Money is not an issue. The world is a very groovy place. Everything is wonderful. And then about 10 seconds in, the horror of what I am doing is upon me, but so is the physical allergy and I cannot stop and I'm off to the races once again. So therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. And with that, I will pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Harlan. And now we're going to open up the floor. And who would like to share on this first paragraph on page 23? Joe M. Barbara.
5: Melanie. Barbara.
0: Melanie C. Boy, I'm having a hard time hearing. I think I heard a Joe M. Barbara.
6: Melanie Holly C. S.
0: Barbara. Melanie C. I got you, Barbara.
6: Thank you. Holly S. from Texas.
0: Holly All right, was there a Barbara C and a Barbara E? Barbara C? Okay. All right, this is what I got. Jo M, Barbara E, Melanie C, Barbara E, maybe, and a Holly S. Oh, I said two Barbaras there. Okay, Jo M, you're up, and then it'll be Barbara E.
7: Thank you, Monica. Thank you for your service, and good morning to everyone on the line. My name is Joe M., Compulsive Overeater in Minnesota. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. You know, I came to Overeaters Anonymous with a very terrible, horrible, miserable condition. I was overeating, and my whole life I thought that the problem was the overeating. Why would I not think that? That's what everyone had told me, that's what the media said. That's what they said at school. That's what they said in the magazines. If you're overeating, the solution is to stop overeating. And so I did stop overeating many, many times, but that didn't solve my problem. In fact, when I stopped overeating, I was crazier in those phases than I was when I was eating. I was restless, irritable, and discontented. I couldn't concentrate. I was distracted. I felt very easily disturbed and so i thought there was just something wrong with me i needed to keep applying willpower i come to Overeaters anonymous i come to the big book solution i'm i am confronted uh by the people who in whom the problem had been solved not that they had confronted me but i saw them in front of me in whom the problem had been solved And I came to this sentence and this reality, my main problem is in my mind rather than in my body, which means that my problem is not the overeating. My problem is how I feel when I'm not overeating. What is that all about? I have a mind that explodes with discontentment when I am not overeating, and I need a solution for that. If I'm going to have a solution... I need to understand what the problem is. And you were the first people who told me, Joe, overeating is not your problem. It's your solution. It's just a symptom of the deeper problem. So the main problem, it's not the only problem. Yes, I have an allergy of the body. Yes, I have to keep my allergic foods out of my system. But my main problem is in my mind. And you've got to have a solution for me for that. You've got to give me a solution that quiets down my mind in order for me to have a sustained... Recovery to have any recovery from this condition that I have and that's the rest of the book is going to lay that out And I'm very glad that they're naming it here that my main problem is in my mind. Thank you. I'll pass
0: Thank you Jo M. Barbara E. You're up and then it will be Melanie C Hi, did you just say Barbara E? Yes, I did.
8: Okay, E forever ready. Great. I made up my mind. I wasn't going to share today but when I heard this paragraph I felt compelled to jump in because I've always felt that the main problem for me was in my mind, not my body, my mind. I was born with curly brown hair, brown eyes, and a compulsive overeater. I don't know why I started, but I knew that being having food accessible to me, ex- excess food, was something that gave me a tremendous sense of pleasure. I didn't come from a dysfunctional household. I can't say that there was any screaming done, but I knew that excess food, and there was a lot of it living in the heart of Manhattan, available to me with my little piddly allowance. And I could sneak it into the house, eat a complete dinner, and be totally, totally happy. As an adult, I did make some of those excuses for why I was so bad. I said I was taking cortisone. I wasn't. I said I had a slow metabolism. I doubt I did. No one ever checked it. But all I know was that it really, really upset the apple cart in my life. I was absent from weddings, festivities, funerals. I didn't go ice skating with my children. I didn't go on water slides because I was afraid I'd get caught going down the slide. I had excuses up the wazoo. And as I got older, yes, food did give me ease and comfort. It especially alleviated boredom, anger, fear, loneliness. It gave me a sense of calm. It medicated me. I didn't have to think until afterwards. And then afterwards, I beat myself up. I called myself every single awful name in the book. Remorse, remorse, remorse. Followed by resolution. Followed by more binging. And I never said, I'll stop at midnight. I never did stop at midnight. I never stopped on Monday's National Diet Day. I never stopped on the first of the year. Maybe if I was lucky, I stopped on the first month of a decade. So I gained hundreds of pounds over and over again. I had 12 sizes in my closet with numbers on them. So I knew size 2 was here, size 24 was down at the other end. I could have opened a store. It was awful. It was killing me and doctors were telling me. But I want to end with the good thing. This book holds a solution. And if you believe it, attitude determines attitude. We all can do it. If you're new, take heart. Thank you so much for allowing me the honor to share.
0: Thank you, Barbara E. Melanie C., you're up. And then if there was a Barbara C., you're up after Melanie.
5: Good morning, Monica. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And hello, hello, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. I like this paragraph because it tells me that there's hope for me. There's a tremendous amount of hope for me if, in fact, Putting down the food, stopping the eating, going on my very first diet in second grade was the answer to my problem, that I would not be here today. Um, I would be much like average normal people, and I could just look at that address and that's all there is. I loved it when this book told me that my problem centered in my mind, because I was able through the 12 steps, to be able to be enlightened to the idea that that's the central operating system of everything called Melanie. And so the focus was completely there. The steps addressed every single piece that I was having trouble with, problems with, making a decision, following through. The pain, the pain, you know, when I would have a thought, whatever it was that caused me so much agony, can you imagine for a moment that anything that I ever did from my gut, from my moving my limbs and my arms centered in my mind. It came from my mind and the result was what I ended up with when I came into these rooms. It was skewed all the time and I didn't know it. And then what was convoluted in all that idea that what I was thinking, I told myself through ego, it was the best thinking, it was the right thinking and it continued to compound it. I would put more mess on top of this mess and put on top of this mess and I couldn't get out of it. I was like a feral cat trying to fight my way out of a wet paper bag only to find myself deeper and darker inside this wet paper bag telling myself, you got out of the bag, you got out of the bag. I had no way of being able to do this. The steps, the next 11 steps after step one, treats this, treats this mental obsession Beautifully, systematically, that has taken a person like me. Oh my! I would just, if I could just show you, the difference of what it was like 12 years ago and what it's like now on this mind. What this 12 steps, what the 11 next remaining 11 steps have done for me in my mind, transforming this person. What it's done in my household, with my relationships with my husband and my grandson and the people around me very simple. I strapped on the prosthetic of the 12 steps on this mind. Dozens of people have poured their experience into me that I was able to maintain and stay in these rooms even when the, 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 it got rough and rough and rough in here, trying to come up out of this deal. It centers in my mind. That simplified it for me. That the treatment were the 12 steps. The sanity has been restored. Thanks. I'll talk.
0: Thank you, Melanie C. And if there was a Barbara C., you're up. If not, then Holly S., you're next.
6: Hi, good morning. Monica, thank you for your service. Can I be heard? Yes. Mm -hmm. I would like to just point out... um, Oh, by the way, I'll I'll just mention um, I'm I'm Holly S., a recovering compulsive overeater um, from Texas. And I just I want to go to the line that says therefore the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. If you ask him, he may he, uh, he ask him why he started on that last vendor, Chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. And um, I have written in in my book uh, my last alibi was um, you know, I have this note that says remember the mint. And, um, you know, my last alibi was I had bad breath, and so I needed to have a a mint um, after I had been clean for, um, you know, some significant number of days and uh, and working a program. And, you know, the problem is in my mind. Um, I just have a thinking problem. And that mint set me up for a very, very terrible following day. I I couldn't talk straight, I couldn't think straight, and it was just apparent to me that once again, I needed to learn, I can't pick up, I can't pick up, I can't pick up, no matter how bad it gets, no matter the turmoil, uh, for me today, uh, I would much rather work through the emotional turmoil uh, than, than suffer the pain of picking up again and again. Um, Causing uh, more havoc in my family, in my personal life, in my health. I'm, I'm very grateful today uh, for my sponsor who is committed to the Big Book way of recovery. And uh, um, I don't know where I would be today without a vision for you. I'm so so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Holly Anne. And for anyone who just came on, we're on page 23. We are commenting on the very first paragraph that starts these observations. And who else would like to comment
3: this morning? Lisa B. Lisa. Rita K. Lauren
0: M. Rita K. And somebody else, but I didn't hear yet. Lauren M. Lauren M. Lisa Leia M. A-G. Leia. Boy, you're all being nice to me. Thank you. <laughs> Roanne M. Roanne M. Okay. Melissa C.
9: Melissa.
0: Okay, this is what I got. I got Lisa B., Rita K., Lauren N., Marcy C., Amy G., I think, Leia M., Roanne M., and Melissa C. What a nice group here. Lisa B., you're up. Then it'll be Rita K. It's Marcy
10: S.
6: Um, good morning. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm really happy and grateful to be here on this line with all of you. And the line that um, I wanted to address was, therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind. And who would think, you know, that that paragraph, and there's more because it, it says rather than his body, that that's the beginning of the solution, but that's the beginning of the end for me of uh, of staying in that denial that everything is outside of me, that the problem is outside of me. So I actually am being put in a place of... Um, power really but it's not my power it's my higher power but you see if the problem is you I'm really screwed because I can't change you and if the problem is life and the economy or my home or my marriage or my job or uh you know the way I look you know any of that um I'm really screwed because I can never change that and I have to remember that the storm is inside of me it's like it goes with me everywhere you know and I can try and move here and move there it will go with me everywhere and This is the beginning of the end of my problem if I'm able to absorb it, if I'm able to hear it. And, you know, we're on page 23 now. So with my recovered sponsor, I started in the very beginning of the book and we went through the doctor's opinion. And that's the ideal place to start because I could really learn about the allergy of the body that causes my mind to be so cluttered up. I just can't hear. I can't think because I'm on my drugs you know and it just keeps me vibrating you know and I'm not able to absorb but as we've gone through this work at this point and I'm entirely absent and we get to this page this is amazing to hear this but there's also like oh wow damn the problem is inside of me I can't blame anyone anymore and today as a recovered person you know it's still that the problem is always in me when I'm disturbed it's it's me that it's always um me that's the problem and that's also um depressing at times, you know, because I have to take total responsibility. But thank God there's a power greater than me that I don't have to rely on my mind, you know, to figure out the solution. I can go to God and getting recovered through these steps and having that channel unblocked. It's, it's liberating. It's wonderful. And also it's frustrating and frightening. But this is really the only hope for me, the only solution, because I will eventually die, you know, if I continue to stay with the blinders on. So with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lisa B. Rita K. It's your turn, and then it'll be Lauren S.
3: This is Rita K. from Kansas, um, recovered and compulsive reader. Um, you know, this paragraph always sticks out to me. Um, one thing that really does is the very first sentence that says these observations will be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first bite, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. And I've got that, that phrase circled in my book. You know, that terrible cycle, obsession of the mind, the first bite, more obsessing, the next bite, more obsessing, a bigger bite, and it just goes on and on and on. Thinking about McDonald's, going through to get one thing, thinking about Burger King, going through to get two things, and then kind of putting them all together, then going from from fast food place to fast food, looking for that perfect combination, that's the obsession of the mind, and then taking those bites, and it leads to more and more. and. You know, uh, Bill um, in Bill's story he, uh, back on page seven talks about the terrible cycle. He describes it to me. He does when he talks about the I mean, on page six, the remorse, the horror, the hopelessness, the hopelessness, and the impending calamity. You know, and that's those these these are horrible words. And and if we think about it, and having gone through this book, and you think about how terrible, you know, and and. How terrible the cycle is, and what happens, but yet what what do we do? We allow the obsession of the mind to fester to grow and to grow, and then what happens? We take that first bite, and we have a list of red light foods we do you know, but yet that's what we turn to, and so you know going through and being more than abstinent, being more doing more than dieting with group support is all about encompassing everything that's here in these 164 pages and learning how to work the steps and listening to the people on this line, all of that will lead us away from this terrible cycle that can be so easily set in motion. And that's what I want to share with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Rita Kay. Lauren S., it's your turn, and then it'll be Marcy C.
11: Good morning, Mrs. Lauren, and can you hear me?
0: <laughs> okay. I think there was a Lauren N and a Lauren S. Okay, go ahead Lauren N and then Lauren S if you're available, you'll be next.
11: Thank you very much, moderator, and um everybody for being on this line today. I had one of those nightmares last night. Dream about food. I had gone into one of my favorite binge stores and picked up all these different things and told myself it was good to in my dream it was good to do this and it was going to solve my problems and during my dream someone and it must have been one of you reached out and said to me is this the answer? And while I was in the store, I turned around and walked out, leaving the stuff in the basket. It was a nightmare. And when I got up this morning, I realized I needed to reach out and talk to more people because there's a reason that dream came up. And the renaissance is a warning. I haven't picked up. I haven't picked up in over, I don't know, over a year and a half. But I need to figure out why, with the help of God and with the help of all of you. Because I am deathly afraid of that. Because I don't know if I'll get abstinent again. As someone else on this line was saying, I have had so many sizes in my closet. And I have done so many different things to my body. Had the um, had the lap band surgery, had a had a went in for a ruin y but I was too fat, so they only did a uh, sleeve, and have had fat removed from or hanging skin removed. I do not want to go back. I do not want to have diabetes again. I do not want to live that life anymore. I want to maintain this co- this recovered way of life. And with that, I know I cannot take any vacations anymore. I'm sitting in a standing in a bathroom in New Mexico, not trying not to wake up any of my roommates on this line at a time when All of the people on the west coast are usually up, but I'm not usually up at this hour. And thank you God you're all here because I'm not gonna buy that good those goodies that I had in my basket in my dream. Because today I'm gonna work my program as hard as possible so that I'm going to maintain my abstinence. Time that I pass.
0: Thank you, Lauren N. And Was there a Lauren S. Okay, Marcy C. You're up, and then it'll be Amy G.
10: Hi, this is Marcy, a grateful recovering compulsive over here for New Jersey, and start. The problem with the real alcoholic starts in the mind. With me, it starts with the obsession of mind, and then leads to. These compulsive behaviors, like picking up the food, it centers in the mind. And once I pick up that first bite, I have no control, and it's just a terrible psycho-emotional of of craving, and I give into it, unless I, unless, I, unless I work, unless I follow directions. I know a lot about, psychi- about psychiatric disorders and eating disorders are obsessive-compulsive diseases, which are a form of anxiety disorder. So why do I pick up that first bite? Because I feel uncomfortable because I'm feeling anxious Saying I don't want to deal with it. There's a solution, though. There's, a, you, 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 there's 12 steps and I admit, I admit that I'm powerless over food and then my life has become unmanageable. And I... I Acknowledge that there is a God and I he can help me with anything and i turn I turn it over to to God, and He gives me the willingness and and I just take it a day at a time and i I don't pick up no matter what but there is God can help me with anything. And the directions are very simple. If you follow these instructions precisely, you will recover one day at a time. And I'm just really grateful. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Marcy. See, Amy G., it's your turn, and then Leah M.
6: Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thanks, everyone, for an awesome meeting I mean, it bears repeating here. I'm not saying anything new that we're dealing with the mental obsession here. We have a twofold. I have a disease that is twofold. There's a physical allergy. We've been talking about this in the prior paragraph. The physical allergy that when I put certain substances in my body, I have an allergic reaction, an abnormal reaction that creates a phenomenon of craving that I can't stop once I put it in. Put it in my body. I can't stop once I put sugar in my body. I cannot stop and it seems very clear then if I know that is the problem why is it I keep putting that food into my mouth why do I keep putting my binge foods in my mouth well here we have it it centers in the mind it is the mental obsession it talks about it in the AA in step one the AA 12 and 12 we have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive Eating, that only an act of providence, an act of God, of these 12 steps, of working these 12 steps, can relieve me of it. And if my mind is warped, that means there's no going back. This whole idea of hitting my head with a hammer to relieve a headache, I could so relate to that. Because if I knew that food was killing me, when I put certain foods into my body, they were killing me. And why is it that I would keep putting it in my body? Well, because my mind is warped. My sick mind cannot heal my sick mind. And it made sense to me when I read this. It's like, you know, Harlan was talking about it. You know, we have this buildup of human emotion. I'm hurting. Life circumstances are as such that I can't handle it. I'm restless. I'm irritable. I'm discontent. I have a headache. You know what I mean? So what do I do? I pull out a hammer and I hit my head over, hit my head with it. It's like I take food to hurt myself more. I ingest my alcoholic substances and create that phenomenon of craving so that I can binge my brains out and then purge. So I'm hurting, and I take something to hurt myself more, even though I know it's hurting me and it's killing me. But I had no other way to cope coming prior to program. And having spent the first five years and over years, and all, I just trying to reason myself and use willpower against disease that I had no reason and no willpower. This is why the problem centers in my mind. This is why for me the mental obsession is the greater aspect of this disease. I cannot fix myself. My mind cannot heal my sick mind. I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. And that is through the process of surrender, putting the food down, and working these 12 steps like my life depends upon it. Because if I don't, I will go back to my old way of coping with, with life, which is I'm hurting. Let me hurt myself more by ingesting my substances by some insane reason or no reason at all. We've, we've heard about it. We've saw, we listened when we heard Bill's story. There's sometimes no reason at all, much less an insane reason. I've been there. And yet what the beauty of this and understanding is, we're in this chapter, there is a solution. And we read about it. We have a common solution. There's no secret code. It's just the 12 steps. But through following those instructions and working these steps, we can find freedom from the mental obsession so that we can be free of the food when it calls. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Amy G. Leia M., you're up. And then it'll be Roanne M.
12: Thank you very much. This is Leah M. Therefore, the main problem of... I needed this education. I needed to understand this greater aspect of my illness so that I would get an appreciation, a respect, an urgency uh, for the steps. Um, You know, as a real compulsive overeater, I could stop for a period of time. Uh, But I could never stay stopped. I had stopped thousands of times, thousands of times. But, you know, the, the experience was the same over and over and over again. You know, I'd be stopped for a period of time. And then when I was abstaining from my binge foods, when I was off of them for a while, I would start to feel uncomfortable. The big book describes it as restless, irritable, and discontent. I would start to feel deprived. I was on edge. Um, I'd be, you know, impatient, irritable. It's like holding your breath underwater. You just couldn't wait to, like, to be catapulted through the surface and grab a breath of air. And those feelings would build up, and those thoughts would crowd in my mind, and those thoughts would get so loud that eventually, eventually, I would have to shut them up. And the only way I knew how to shut them up and get relief and get that sense of ease and comfort that my mind would lock in on was to pick up that first bite because somehow, to me, food changes instantly my perception of reality gave me that sense of ease and comfort and it seemed to make the world less threatening the big book calls that the obsession of the mind and that is the greater aspect of my illness and i needed to have an understanding of that and i got that through this text and through someone in whom the problem had been solved that that was my issue If I had a bit of premeditation or precognition, it was taken over by the obsession of the mind. It overrode it. It forced out any self-reflection because the obsession was a thought that dominated my mind in such a way that it became the only thought. And since it was the only thought... It doesn't know that it's the only thought because it's the only thought. And so, of course, I would dig my fists into a bag or a box uh, to get relief. And that was the vicious cycle I was in. I was in a trap. I could not spring. But what if I could find a way to live where my mind doesn't lock on that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by eating that first bite? And that process is called recovery. And that's what this whole book is about. It's about the 12 steps and i had to understand that i had an urgency for this process and with that i pass thanks
0: thank you Leia m Rowan m it's your turn and then it'll be melissa c
13: good morning team thursday this is roanne m a recovered compulsive overeater calling from new york city there are so many gems in this paragraph i don't even know where to begin but I'm going to start with the word observations. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink. What does that remind me of? Observations. That makes me think of self-knowledge. And what do we know about self-knowledge? It avails us nothing. These observations would be academic and pointless. It doesn't do anything for me. I can observe I can know everything about my disease. I can learn all about nutrition, all about alcoholism, all about my compulsive overeating. It will do absolutely nothing for me. It doesn't matter why I am the way I am. All that matters. Is what am I going to do to stay out of my illness today, to stay out of my head today, to stay out of my selfishness? What tools am I going to use? How am I going to stay connected to God today so that I don't pick up that first compulsive bite? How am I going to be of service? And then it says, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion I know that cycle, the binging, the restricting, the binging and restricting, emerging remorseful, ne- vowing never to do it again. That was my entire life. Every single day, those sweet promises that I made, every single day. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. Absolutely, the mental twist. This is a twofold illness the mental obsession, the mental twist, and the allergy of the body. This is a two-fold illness. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a 100 alibis. We learn many, many times in Bill's story how he kept going back to that drink, and there were many times where he didn't even know why he took that drink. He couldn't even tell us. If you asked him, he just was like, I don't know. Someone pushed a drink across the table to him, and he took it. He didn't even know why. There were so many times where I couldn't have even told you. If you asked me, why did I take that bite again? I don't know. It was the insanity of this illness. It didn't make sense. The havoc of an alcoholic's drinking about, oh, my God, the havoc, the chaos of my disease That's what it was. I lived in a chaotic mind, in a chaotic environment of which my disease and my head created. It was complete insanity. They sound like the philosophy of a man who having a headache beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. What did I do when I wanted to take away the pain of how much I had eaten? I ate more because I wanted to numb out because I couldn't handle the pain. Thank you so much for letting me share, and thank you for your service. With that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Rowan M. Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi,
9: good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Thank you for your service. yeah, so, you know, having this allergy, that's a pretty crappy problem to have, you know. Being unable to eat like other people, that's pretty, you know, that's rough. But a million times worse than that is is my brain, the problem that I have in my thinking. The problem in my body is bad enough, but the fact that my brain forces me again and again to pick up the thing I know, is bad for me. The thing I know I have zero control over. My brain always convinces me that this is the best idea, and um, and it didn't take much. It took the simplest um, lie, and since the problem exists in my thinking, my thinking knows the exact, uh, easily um, believable lie any given moment. So it will tell me anything that will convince me um, to pick up. And so like my knee jerk reaction to any kind of discomfort or joy or anything is hunger. My body tells me, my brain tells my body, you're hungry, go eat. And, um, And so once I really got this, that it wasn't just that I have an unnatural or a a bizarre reaction to certain foods, but that my head was really, truly broken. And I, you know, started realizing, yeah, this is a form of mental illness. I needed to recover. (laughs) You know, like, I I think it's so important that I'm finding out, you know, in this part of the book, um, exactly what my problem is, because it's gonna tell me, yeah, you're gonna have to do all those things required, and they didn't make sense, but I realized, yeah, my brain is broken, so of course what I think makes sense is not helpful for me. I had to fire my brain um, and, and completely give myself over to the steps, and, you know, I still have to do that regularly. Every morning, I have to divorce myself from myself and my thinking and follow this um,
0: way of life. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And we've got time for probably two shares. Who would like to?
6: Leslie W. Russ
0: I heard Russ, and I heard someone before Russ, a lady.
6: Leslie W.
0: Leslie. Okay, Leslie W., it's your turn, and then it'll be Russ M.
6: Thank you, Annika. Thank you for your service. This is Leslie um, Leslie W in Tennessee. Um, <clears throat> you know, this passage reminds me of the commercial. You guys seen that commercial where there's two? There's a couple sitting on the couch, and she literally got a nail in her head, and she's crying to to the guy, and she's like, "I just don't feel good. Maybe it's my hormones, or maybe it's the stress, or maybe it's the kids, or." I just don't know. The the guy's like, you you have a nail in your head. You you literally have, but I just don't know. I mean, I just can't understand. You have a nail in your head. So that's me. I mean, that's so me with this disease. I mean, I I kept trying to figure it out, you know. I kept trying to assert my intellect and my willpower and, and, and nothing was working because I had a flipping nail in my head problem with my mind and I didn't know that and uh so for me to understand that for more than the hardest thing to do more than more than putting down the food is putting down the intellect putting down the willpower putting down the pride putting down the selfishness to me those things are a heck of a lot harder than putting down the food. But I had to be teachable, and I had to learn. I had to learn through this book, the transforming of my mind. I had to learn through other people's experience, other people who have recovered from this disease, who would speak into me, who continue to speak into me and give me truth, truth that I so desperately needed to hear. You know, and thank God for that. Thank God that there's a solution. And we don't have to sit around and whine and complain all day about our problem anymore. Because now we know what the problem is. And we know that by the working of these 12 steps and by the emotional rearrangement that we go through, when we submit ourselves to this process and when we submit ourselves to God that we will be changed. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you Leslie W and Russ M, you got 3 minutes. It's
14: yours. Good morning. Can you hear me? So yes. <laughs> Yeah. I was on mute, and I'm sorry about that. Uh good morning everybody. Russ M we cover Compulsive over Reader Outside of Philadelphia. So once again, you know, we're emphasizing the mind in this part of the uh, big book. And, you know, it, it <laughs> I hit myself with a hammer many times in my life. You know, it's, uh, you know, let, let me just put it out there. I'm crazy, okay? I, I'm crazy when it comes to food and when i'm crazy with the food it drips into the rest of my life so i i'm very just imbalanced i'm i'm nuts because of this and i overthink and i and i analyze and i obsess over things and nothing gets done and things fall apart and that's the way i was with the food and and this is this was my life for many 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 years um you know I, I'd worry about carbohydrates in a certain food, but by the end of the day, I, I was in three drive-throughs. I was in three drive-thrus. Why does that happen? Why does that happen? We, like, it's nuts. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But through these steps, through working this program, through going through the big book with someone, my, my sponsor, who's, who figured it out, who got the reprieve, It's taught me, you know what, just like I surrender my food, I got to surrender my mind. And that's it. I'm done thinking. I'm done thinking. You know, I'm a chiropractor. I went to school forever because I wanted to be smart and I wanted to be educated. And guess what? It got me nowhere. It got me nowhere. When it comes to the food in my life, to be perfectly honest with you. So I had to surrender that, the, the, the genius that I am and how sharp I am. It's all baloney. If you want true recovery, you got to go through this book. You got to surrender your life, and that means your mind and everything that goes on with it. Everything that how you manage your life, everything, you got to you got to surrender, and that's a process. That's a daily thing. That's it's tough to do, but through the steps and through the big book, we can do it. And it's you know progress, not perfection, and uh, we have a shot. So yes. Uh, I'm sure you knew by my shares that I was a little crazy, but I definitely am. But because of the big book, I could be free. Have a great day. You guys are awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Russ M. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We've reached the end of our time here this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today February 1st, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10996, 10,996. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Rita K, would you read for us, please, from A Vision for You?
3: Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.